Well, just a couple of things I want to share with you. Uh, Bill Siders came home from the hospital this week, so we're praising God for that. And if you would like to help with some food for him, uh, the staff is taking care of this week, but then uh, we're looking forward to helping him for another week or two. Uh, you can see Flora Kreider about that floor, just in case people don't know who you are. She's right there. And uh, see Flora, again, we want to be an encouragement to Bill and help him. Continue to pray for Ron Tomasetti, and I want to encourage you to, uh, if you get an opportunity, to stop in and see him up at the VA hospital in Lebanon. Um, so just those couple things. Also, last week, Pastor John shared with us about uh, our capital campaign, and that brought up a few questions. I wanted to answer those very quickly. Uh, several people asked, uh, did we use the capital campaign money to pay for the renovations that have been done on the bathrooms and the windows? No, we did not. Because of the graciousness of our people, and, uh, they gave uh, specifically for those things so we can praise the Lord. Uh, it was because people in their gracious giving, we were able to put in those 39 windows and redo three bathrooms. None of the uh, funds were touched from the capital campaign. Another question, are we still in contact uh, with the company that we uh, have a contract with? And we are. I'm doing a call with them this week, a conference call, setting up some things for this year. And uh, so we're still in, in contact with Impact Stewardship. And then number three, uh, where are we as far as being, uh, what does that $170,000 really mean when we look at the big scale of things? Uh, you pledged to give close to $600,000. If we broke that down into uh, months or weeks, uh, we are ahead of where we should be. Right at this time, we would probably have about $120,000. We are at $170,000 at this time, so we're actually ahead uh, of where we should be at this time. So I hope that answers some questions that you, some people might have had. Uh, again, and we're always, if you have questions, please, we'll try to get that information out to you uh, as, as quick as we can and to keep you informed about those things. So just wanted to give you an update on that uh, following some questions. Well, we begin a brand new series today called Pray Like Jesus. And this morning in our Sunday school ministry, we were looking at Lord Teach Us to Pray. We're using some curriculum, curriculum from Bethlehem Baptist Church, John Piper's Church, in our Sunday school. And right now in our junior church, they are using that curriculum in all of our junior churches this morning. So in a sense, our whole ministry is in sync as we're talking about prayer. And if you remember, last year we introduced to you Pi Square. And this year is going to be about Pi Square. Pray, invest, and invite. And uh, throughout this year, we're going to be hitting all three of those. We're going to hit pray, invest, and invite in the first six months. We're going to come back in the last six months and hit those again. So uh, that'll be our focus this year, and all of our preaching will be around those things. And again, that's what this church is about. We're about making more and better followers of Christ. And to do that, we want to pray. We want to pray about our own spiritual walk. We want to pray for the souls of others. We want to pray that our ministry would grow in depth and in breadth. We want to pray that God would use us to reach many people with the gospel of Christ. And so we're going to, we're going to be focusing on that. And then we want to talk to you about how we need to be um, investing in people's lives. 
Um, and we do that through a lot of different ways. We can do it through our small group. We do it through Upward. We're working to invest in boys' and girls' lives and in their parents' lives in our Upward ministry. We're investing in the lives of people through Mount Calvary Christian School. So it's about investing in people's lives. And then the last is invite. It's not about just inviting them to church. It's about inviting them to our small group. It's about inviting them maybe to your house for dinner to build a relationship with them. It's about maybe inviting them um, to go out after a church, to go out to dinner with you. It's about maybe if God, when God opens up that opportunity to invite them to come to know Christ as their Savior. So we'll be talking about all of those throughout this year. But today we want to start with this thing of prayer. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at praying like Jesus. And uh, I'll preach today, Pastor John will preach the next two weeks, and then I'll finish off. And uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. That happens to fit right with our Sunday school curriculum and our junior church, because next week, they're going to be, we're all going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to come back in two weeks, and we're going to look at the Lord's High Priestly Prayer, and then the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So that's where, where we're going here in the month of January. So before we get into this today, why don't we go ahead and pray? Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Savior, Father, we are excited at the beginning of the year to be able to really focus our ministry totally on prayer. And Father, I pray that in these next, this next month, in these next 13 weeks in our Sunday school ministry with adults and children, Father, as we focus on this, Lord, that each of us will grow in our prayer life. Lord, we know the one thing that the disciples ask you to teach them was, Lord, teach us to pray. And so, Lord, I pray that same prayer for all of us. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to be more effective in our prayer life, Lord. Help us to have that intimate relationship with you that allows us to be able to pray without ceasing as the word of God commands us to. So, Father, we ask today that the precious Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts through the text that we're going to look at. It's in the name of Christ we do pray. Amen. Now let me share with you, it'll be a little bit different today. I'm not going to ask you to open up your Bibles, and that might sound crazy. But, you know, when you look at the prayer life of Jesus, we could go to the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to go next week, and we'll probably be in that text. But today we're going to look at a lot of different texts. And for the, because it's a communion day, we have to cut things a little bit short, so I'm going to go quickly. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to put the scripture up on the screen. Because if I have you look to keep finding it, the minute, as much scripture as we're going to go through, we won't have time, and the nursery workers will be yelling at me when I let you out at 12. So it's not that I don't believe in God's word. I don't think it's important. I don't think we should open it just for today. Sort of bear with me as we put the verses up on the screen to help us work through this quickly. Now, let me say off the, right off the top of the bat, if I was to ask you, because if you were to ask me, how's your prayer life, Dick? It's anemic. Sometimes it is great. Sometimes it's horrible. And, and you know, and we could all get on a guilt trip, and that's, I don't think that's what Pastor John and I want to do through this series, is to put you on a guilt trip about your prayer life, if it's not what it's supposed to be. Our whole purpose in this series is to help us as a church to grow in this area of prayer. 
that we begin to really see God and who he is and we begin to embrace that relationship and in that relationship there has to be communication you can't have an effective Christian life without having effective communication with God and I believe that communication we'll talk about a little bit later talk takes place through prayer and through his word so you know we don't want to put you on a guilt trip we don't want to embarrass you um, but we want to make our prayer lives more effective and so when we think about prayer let me just give you to start off with a simple definition of prayer prayer is simply communicating with God now think about your relationship at home with your wife or with your children how many of you every day speak to your wife throughout the day on and off if it happens to be a day when you're home together hopefully we all do how many of you speak to your children throughout the day hopefully we all do okay and that's called what it's called communication you can't have a strong marriage without communication without talking you can't have a strong relationship with God without communication now when we think of this this communication includes speaking out loud it, it's prayers that speak out loud sometimes it's just silent prayer you know sometimes when I'm walking down the street or walking through the mall like I was this week I was praying and uh, I was praying because I had left my I was I had left my went to a room left my glasses in a changing room got all the way to the other end of the mall and realized wow I better go back and get my glasses and so the whole way back I'm praying that my glasses are still there got my glasses they were there and so the whole way back I thought you know if I could pray about my glasses I could walk back through the mall praying about other things and so I began to pray walking through the mall now when I'm walking through the mall I usually don't pray talking like out loud like I am now lest people think I'm sort of loony I usually am praying what yeah silently in my head so there's that that's praying with God we're communicating God still hears that he still knows um, I mean people pray through songs people have written songs and music is actually prayers to God poetry I've seen people who pray poetry they've written poetry and prayers to God um, so it's, it's communicating with God in many different ways so think about that that's what prayer is but prayer is hard work that's why the disciples ask Lord teach us to pray now the foundation of our prayers is Trinitarian we believe in a triune God God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and so when we think about this thing Trinitarian God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit since the beginning of creation what have they done with one another when God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit get together what do they do do they talk you think do they have a relationship do you ever think about that I think they do three and one but yet three distinct and, and, and we see that even at the Lord's baptism and so God the Father God the Son they communicate and our prayers are Trinitarian in the sense of first of all we pray to the Father so we're gonna say this we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit so we'll look at all three of those real real quick we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit and I think that's in your notes right 
It's the very first thing, Trinitarian. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Let's say that together. Here we go. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. One more time. To the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. When Dr. Peterson was here, when, and now he, the only reason he's not here is because of his health, and we need to pray for him. He has major heart surgery later this month. But he would always, if I, at the end of my prayers, did not say, in the name of Jesus Christ, on Monday, if I talked to him, he would say, you know, Dick, you didn't pray correctly yesterday. Always, I love Dr. Peterson. Never have to worry about what he's thinking, he tells you. And so I've always been real quick, or really, when I think about that, when I pray now, I always say, in the name of Jesus Christ. And if I forget, I would have gone to him and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. Peterson, please forgive me. (laughs) But, and again, there's that Trinitarian. And so we're praying to the Father. Look at this verse here. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. Or when we bring it down to where we are, we cry, Daddy, Daddy, Father. And so there's this relationship. Now listen, I'm not, I don't want to be disrespectful to God, but there, and this, what he's saying here is, listen, there's this intimate relationship that I can have with God like my children have with me. Like my children, when they were small, they called me daddy. And, and many of you here have small children. They call you what? They call you daddy. And when they come to you, they come to you what? They don't come to you formally. They come to you as what? As a father. So, you know, it's not, they don't come to you speaking King James, these and thou's in some special language. They come to you because you're their daddy. And this is the relationship that we have with God. God loves us. He listens. He cares. He's good. He's available. And because of those things, I can come, the Bible tells us, to the throne of God boldly. Boldly we can come before the throne of God and can ask him and can come and worship him through prayer. See, prayer is not telling God something he doesn't already know. Oh, I can't tell God that. I can't tell God I had that thought. God knows you had that thought. Man, I can't tell God I had this horrible attitude. God knows what your attitude is. Just read through the book of Psalms. That's the one thing I love about David is what does David do? He just opens his heart in prayer to God. He just says, God, this is how I feel. God, I, think you've, I don't think you've handled, handled this situation very well, God. God, I don't, I don't really see where you're working here, God. Oh, can we say those things to God? Yes. Have your children ever said stuff to you that wasn't really right on? Yeah, they all do, don't they? And so listen, David, but David, the neat thing was David would say those things to God, but he would then come around by the end of the chapter that he writes, usually saying, God, you are, you are my refuge, you are my strength, I see you working here. God isn't surprised. So there's nothing you can share with God in prayer that he's going to be shocked about. You did what on your tax return? 
God knows what you did. You spent your tithe money on what? God knows what you spent it on. And so we can come to God with anything because he loves us. He cares for us. He wants us to communicate. He wants us to have this intimate relationship. He is our daddy father is what this verse is saying. So we pray to God through the what? Or through who? The son. Prayer is to the father through the son. Look at 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. He is the one in a sense who represents us in heaven before the throne of God. He's the one in a sense that our prayers go through to come to God in a sense is what that picture is. Jesus loves you so much he died on the cross for your sin and let me just say to you this morning here if you sit here today and you don't have a personal relationship with god you can't pray the first prayer that god hears is that of a sinner crying out to be forgiven for their sin and accept jesus as their savior once you've done that you are now on praying ground that line of prayer that phone line to heaven is now open at salvation and so the reality of this is this. Jesus loves you. He forgives you for your sin. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to pray to him. So I pray to God through the Son. He is my mediator. He is my mediator. And then we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke chapter 1 or chapter 11 verse 1 where the disciples have said, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. So the Lord goes through this chapter and he finally comes to this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. If you then who are evil know how to uh, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So in biblical times, remember this part, the Holy Spirit wasn't indwelling people yet. And so as Jesus' ministry went on, the Holy Spirit, after Jesus had gone to heaven, and now after Acts, where the Holy Spirit came, he's telling him, listen, God is going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to help you in your prayer life. He's going to be that dynamo, that dynamite of your prayer life. He's the power behind your prayer life. And so when we pray, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll give us the Holy Spirit, the dudamos is the word, the power. And so the Holy Spirit is important. Listen, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit here at Mount Calvary. And the Holy Spirit is the power. He's the paraclete, the Bible says, that comes alongside of us to help us to live our Christian life effectively. And so in my prayer life, the Holy Spirit, the Bible even says when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays for me in utterances of groaning. So our prayer life is Trinitarian. It's to God through, it's to God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the, that's the important thing to realize about our prayer life is all three of the Godhead are involved in prayer ministry. So 
What are some of the things that Jesus taught on prayer? We're going to go through these rather quickly today. But what are some of the things that Jesus taught? First, he says, we are to pray in faith. Look at Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have what? Faith. Faith. You will receive it if you have faith. Now, does that mean that I can pray, Lord, help me as I put my dollar in the lottery to pay for my ticket, and I'm, I'm having faith that I'm going to win? You think that's what he's saying there? No. Because I believe gambling is wrong, according to many scriptures and Proverbs. You know, and, and here's the thing. God answers prayer in one of three ways, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. Uh, I think it was mentioned in Sunday school this morning, if you were in adult Sunday schools. God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and not now. Yes, no, and not now. Now, let's just say you're a parent, and your child comes to you before they go to bed, and they say, hey, Mommy, I want to drink a water before I go to bed. And what are you going to say, probably? Okay, go get a drink of water. It's not a problem. Mommy, I want to go to bed. Can I have a Coca-Cola before I go to bed? What's the answer going to be? I hope it's going to be no. Okay? I hope so. But it's going to be probably what? No, you can't have that because that's not good for you. That's going to keep you awake. Or they come to you and say, Daddy, Daddy. I know I got to go to bed, but can't we go out sledding? Can't we go sledding? Look at all the snow out there, Daddy. I want to go sledding right now. And what are you going to tell them probably? Not now, but what? Later. We'll do it later. You're going to bed right now. And so in a sense, just an illustration is sometimes when we pray, God says yes. Sometimes when we pray, God says no. And sometimes when we pray, God says, hey, listen, not right now. Not now, but when it's time. But God always answers our prayer. Yes, no, or not now. And so it's important for us to realize that. Uh, Prayer is not about changing the mind of God. Prayer is about changing our hearts. And that's really what it's about. It's teaching our hearts. So we're to pray in faith. When we come, our prayer ought to be in faith, believing that God will answer. The second thing is that our prayer should be succinctly. Uh, you know, look at these verses, Matthew 6, 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father, Jesus, or for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what he's saying, listen... We don't have to pray some long, loud prayers for God to hear us, that we can pray succinctly. We can come to God and ask Him. You know, we've all probably had those people who maybe we're going to pray for a meal, and, you know, we sit down, we put the food on the table, and we ask Uncle Fred to pray, and 15 minutes later, he's done, and the food's all what? Cold. When we sit down to eat a meal, what do, we, what do we need to do? Is that the time to pray one of those long prayers, flowery things probably? No. So, you know, but, but even when we come to God, be succinct. Ask God. Talk with God. Um, the next one is pray in God's will. We should pray in God's will. 
Look at John 16, 23 and 24. It says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Again, we should, in all of our prayers, we should pray, Lord, is, is this your will? Remember when Jesus prayed, and we'll look at that Gethsemane prayer when he prayed, Father, you know, if, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But he says, but your will be done. This is what my flesh wants, Lord. But what's more important than what my flesh wants is what your will is. And so our prayer life ought to always make sure that it's this is what we want. Lord, this is your will. So, again, let me come back. Would it be right to say, Lord, help me to win the lottery? No, that's not his will. Or, or Lord, help me to win this girl to Christ that's unsaved that I'm dating. Shouldn't be dating her anyway. God says we shouldn't be what? Unequally yoked together. So you're not, praying, you're not praying in the will of God there. Yes, it is God's will for people to be saved, but the reality is you're not being obedient anyway in what you're doing. You know, so he says, listen, we should pray in the will of God. Does God want you to grow in your, in your walk with him? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? How, how about this? Um, does God want you to love your enemies? Does he? Is that his will for you? Yeah, it is, isn't it? How about this? Um, does God want you um, to pray for people who are sick and hurting? Yeah, he does. He even talks in Scripture about that. And so, you know, but we pray. When we pray, we pray what? If this is your will. You know, when I'm in the hospital and I'm visiting someone, and, and maybe they're struggling, and maybe they're even facing death, and, and I always pray, Lord, if it's your will, heal them. If not, Lord, then give them the strength to go through this. Lord, help them to see what you want to teach them in the midst of this. But we should always make sure when we pray, we pray in the will of God. Next, pray humbly. Pray humbly. Luke 18, um, two guys go into the temple to pray. Here's what it says. He also told this parable to um, some who had trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And he treated others with I'm having a hard time reading. I'm sorry, I'm going to go up here. With others with contempt, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I'm going to go to the next one. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'll tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, our prayers ought to be humble. Because the reality is this, as I come to God, I really have nothing to give him, and I'm coming to him broken. I'm coming to him sinful, and yet he's willing to answer my prayer. And so I ought to come humble. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, praying, Lord, help me to treat my wife better than Pastor John treats Dana. Now, is, is that a humble prayer? No. 
It's almost like I'm better off than he is. And, and so the reality is our, our prayer needs to be humble because we're coming to God. And again, like I said, we don't have anything to give him. Nothing. But we have such a great God who loves us so much that he wants to give us gifts, the Bible says. Every good gift that comes down from above comes from the Father. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to help you. He wants you to grow. He wants to encourage you. And then next, pray fervently. Keep praying. Luke 18.1. And he told them a parable to this effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. We have some really good friends, Gene and Fred Thornett. I might have told you this before. Uh, they were friends, uh, became friends. My mom worked at Delmarva Paralite, and that's where she met Gene. And Gene and Fred went to a Presbyterian church. My parents, of course, went to the Baptist church, First Baptist, and they were always inviting Gene and Fred to come to church. And occasionally, Gene and Fred would come. Gene and Fred did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, did not know him. And so for 32 years, my mom and dad prayed for Gene and Fred. Gene's mother got very sick, 92 years old, close to death. I went to visit with her, and I had the privilege of leading her to Christ. I was able to do her funeral. I was able to share her a story of how she came to Christ at the very end of her life, how she was in heaven. About a week later, after that funeral, I get a call from my dad, and he said, Listen, Gene and Fred want to talk to you, and they've asked you to come and to meet with them. And so I drove from Jer Jersey down to Delaware. We sat down there on the back porch. And after 32 years of mom and dad praying for Gene and Fred, there on the, their back porch, Gene and Fred came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. 32 years! But they prayed. I can remember my dad praying at mealtime for Gene and Fred's salvation. Fervently praying. Don't give up. Maybe you have people. Maybe you have family members who aren't saved. Listen, pray fervently, begging and begging God. And that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying here. Pray fervently. So how about if you get frustrated with somebody? Does that mean you can quit praying for them? No, it doesn't. I should still be praying for them. Even, even, even with people who frustrate you, pray fervently for them. And so that's what we're to do. And then the next one is pray against temptation. He says in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And here's usually what happens. Here's usually what happens is I'm walking down the aisle in the store and I see a Reese's cup and that draws me to it. And so I pick it up and I debate whether I should eat it or not and I pay for it and then I eat it. Here's what really should happen is, Lord, I'm going into this store and I know I'm going to go buy the Reese's cups. I'm diabetic, I don't need them, so Lord, help me not even to go down that aisle today. So rather than praying when I get to the temptation or when I'm in the midst of the temptation, did you ever think, I think what the scripture is saying is say, pray beforehand. Hey, every one of us in this church, we know what our weak areas are, don't we? Come on, we know. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, I don't know. 
Maybe it's sex. But you know, the reality of it is, did you ever think about praying about those things before you even face the temptation? Rather than when we get in the midst of the temptation, God, get me out of this. No, pray ahead of time. Because the reality is this. The Bible says every one of us are going to be tempted. So what if you got up tomorrow morning and said, Lord, I know today I'm going to face these temptations. I know today that my wife's going to irritate me. Because she's going to do this or do this. She does it every day. It irritates me. But God, I know ahead of time this is what I'm going to pray. Lord, help me to have a great attitude even in the midst of that temptation. Or Lord, I know when I get to work today, I got to face that grouchy boss. And so Lord, I'm going to ask you, even before I get there, help me to have a good attitude. Help me to be a good witness before her or him. And Lord, help me to let the light of Christ shine through me. How about praying ahead of time? And that's what the scripture is saying here. Pray against temptation. We're all going to go through it. We're all going to face it. But it's a different approach, I think, of what Christ is trying to say. So this is what Jesus taught about prayer. How about in Jesus' prayer life? Again, we can't go to any one place because as you study the life of Jesus, you see him praying all the time in every situation. So how did Jesus pray? So let's look at when he prayed. When did he pray? Mark 1.35 says, And rising very early in the morning, some of you hate this verse, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he what? Prayed. He got up before the sun. You know, you know he, he, he went out where nobody was, and he prayed to God. So here's that private time just with him and God alone. Now listen, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh here on earth spent time talking to the Father. Who am I to think that prayer isn't important? Who am I to think that I can live this Christian life? Who am I to think that I can go through a day and not communicate with God and be successful in my Christian walk? And the reality of it is a lot of us as Christians don't pray. And so he rose up early. He says, rising up early while it was still dark. You know, but before we, the telephone starts to ring or before the emails start to flow in, though some of you send emails at ungodly hours of the night, I notice. It's amazing. You know, got one the other day, 3.15. What are you doing up at 3.15 in the morning sending me an email? I'm not reading it, okay? <laughs> so the reality of it is this, is he says, rise up early. Have that time. And you know what else? I believe that Jesus prayed daily. Because when you, study, when you study Jesus, you know he was Jewish, and you know every good Jewish person prayed the Shema. Got just the first verse, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it goes on for about four verses. Every Jewish person prayed the Shema throughout the day, often. And so we know that Jesus, when we look at him being Jewish and we look at the Shema, we realize that he prayed this throughout the day. So he prayed not only early in the morning, he prayed throughout the day. He prayed over meals. Matthew chapter 14, verse 19 says, Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fishes. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. 
Then he broke the um, loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. So he what? He prayed over his meals. Do you pray over your meals? Or do you do like I suggested before, where you just buy all your groceries, put all the groceries on the counter, pray over all your groceries, and then you don't have to pray at each meal? And I hope that's not what you do. But the reality is, listen, why are we praying for our meal? Because what? God provides it. And, you know, I was so convicted this week about praying over meals because I pray the same thing for every meal. Lord, nourish this food to our bodies. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for the hands that prepared it. Nourish this food to our bodies. What does that mean? It's like, that's similarly like saying, Lord, help this water to be wet or help my hair to be more hairy. Because what's the purpose of food? It's to nourish your body, isn't it? Lord, how about, Lord, help this food to give me strength so I can be the witness for you that I need to be. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of just praying things because it's the what? It's the thing to do. And, and I was so convicted this week in preparing for this message about how I pray over food and how I pray over meals. I'm not going to pray anymore, Lord, take out the calorie intake of this food. No more am I going to do that. The caloric intake, Lord, help it to be a lot less. No, listen, we have to be serious about this. And, and so he prayed. He, he prayed. He rose up early. He prayed throughout the day. He prayed over his meals. And where did he pray? Where did Jesus pray? He prayed publicly. He prayed privately. He prayed with large crowds. He prayed, when he prayed publicly, he's prayed in large crowds and small groups and large groups. That's the neat thing about our small group ministry. Let me just plug it. It's a great place to get together and pray. That's one of the highlights of my small group. When we get together, I love when we share prayer requests and then we get to pray for each other and we get to pray for what people are going through. And the exciting thing, in our small group, we've seen prayers answered. We have. It's exciting. You know, I, I think of specific people in my small group who have given requests, and we've seen God. We've seen God work in the lives of one of our people's kids to what they weren't going to church at all. Now they're going to church. We've seen relationships come back together in families. We've seen some great things from our small group prayer meetings. So why do you want to be in a small group? You ought to get in a small group just for the prayer. And let me encourage the, the, the group leaders that are here. Listen, probably the most important thing that you do in your group night is to pray. So group leaders, make sure you're having that prayer time. And so Jesus, he prayed publicly in large groups and small groups, but then he prayed what? Privately. We said he got up early in the morning and he went off and prayed by himself. So silence, solitude, um, time with the Father. So where? Publicly, privately, who? Who do we pray for? Let me give you a verse from Matthew 5.44. It says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We should pray for our enemies. We should pray for those we don't get along with. We should pray you know, that God will work in their heart. God, give us that love. Jesus, from the cross, prayed for those that were crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Pray for your friends. Jesus prayed for Peter. When Peter was going to be sifted by Satan, he prayed specifically for him. And so you know what? We need to be praying for each other. Um, Pray that their faith doesn't fail. Pray for your children, Matthew 19. Then the children were brought to him that he might um, lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people that brought them. But Jesus stopped his teaching and spent time praying. Do you pray for your kids regularly? Do you pray for them regularly? You know, I can remember, you know, one of the things that Virginia and I prayed for is that God, when our kids were small, we prayed specifically that God would give our children Christian partners who were interested in serving God. We prayed that specifically. Let them come from strong families who love the Lord and let them have a heart to serve God. Because our prayer was that our kids would serve God, so we want them to have partners who would serve God. And you know what? God was faithful in that. I saw God's faithfulness in giving us three, a a daughter-in-law and 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 two son-in-laws that what? They have a heart for God. And so pray for those things for your children, not just now, but pray for them. And then when we think about it, how did Jesus pray? It's interesting, Jesus prayed scripture. He prayed scripture. On the cross, Psalms 22.1, My God, my God, why has y'all forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, that's Psalms 22.1. When he was hanging on the cross, he prayed scripture. Let me just say this to you. I believe that prayer and Bible reading go hand in hand. You know, what, I, what is really neat is just to take your Bible and to start reading. And then as, as I'm reading, God will convict me about things. And immediately, you know what I do is I stop and I pray. I don't wait till I get to the end of my devotional time to pray. I, I'm praying throughout my devotional time. You know, I, I'm, I'm reading through it and, and, and something God will say, wow, you know, the Holy Spirit will say this about my personal life. And I'll stop right there and I'll ask God for forgiveness and I'll ask God to help me to, to work on that area of my life and I'll, I'll ask God to give me some ideas how I can really uh, take care of that, maybe that sin area that I'm working on. And so Bible reading and prayer go hand in hand. And, and it's really neat sometimes just to take the Psalms and to pray the Psalms because that's what they are. A lot of them are just God and David, uh, David communicating with God. It's prayers of David to God. And so one of the things we can do is just open the word of God. If you say, Dick, I don't even know how to pray. Just open the book of Psalms and start praying through the Psalms. Because they go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit who helped write this is the same Holy Spirit that lives within me. Who is gonna, as I read it, is going to help me to understand it and help me to deal with those things that he points out in my life. And then Jesus prayed long prayers. Luke 6, 12 says he went out to the mountain to pray and he prayed all night. By himself. Just with him and God, long. When we have big decisions in life, you know, should I take this job? Should I move? Should I, should I work here? Should I go to school here? Um, you know, who should I marry? You know, those things are for times of prayer and even for fasting. And I know we're not talking about fasting, but prayer and fasting go together, and we find that in Scripture. And then there were short prayers. 
Luke 6.41, you know, when he prayed for the meal. Simple, short, quick, and easy. Maybe it's before you return an email. You just say, oh, before I return this email, you know what? I just want to pray for BJ. He sent me an email. And often I do that. Before I send an email out, I'll just pray for that person. So if sometimes if you get an email from me, some of the, you'll know that sometimes I've prayed for you usually. Because I do that. That's just it's sort of a reminder. I just send up a short, quick prayer to God. You know, uh, it's my Twitter account with God. That's what it is. Just those little short tweets that I do to God in prayer. And so, you know, may, maybe it's b- before you return an email, or maybe it's, um, you know, when you're shopping. God, help me not to lose the kids. Or maybe it's, God, help me to lose these kids today and help good parents to find them. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just those short things that we're going through in life. And that's why I think when the Bible says pray without ceasing, it's not that I'm always walking around like this. It's just that you don't know what I'm praying. It's just I'm praying throughout the day. Just those short sentence prayers that we should send up. And then the last is this, and we'll close. Prayers or painful prayers. The last week, we're going to look at Jesus' prayer of Gethsemane. You know, there he prayed with anguish and sweating and blood, the Bible says. If your prayer is not sometimes prayers of anguish, then I wonder if you're really serious about prayer. See, you know, in those tough times of life, when it hurts or we're going through tremendous pain, you know, those are the times that we can cry out to God. You know, there's a whole movement today that really bothers me. That sort of this, you know, um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're going through any kind of trials or tribulation or, or you're not healthy or any of those type of things, then you must not be right with God. Well, then let me tell you, Jesus must have not been right with God. Because Jesus went through some difficult times. Jesus knew what it was to have a friend betray him, didn't he? Jesus knew what it must have been like to have everybody seem like turn their back on him and run from him. Jesus knew what it was like to have Peter, who he loved, deny him. He went through some difficult times. His life wasn't just all rosy, but in the midst of those difficult times, Jesus cried out. So there's times to pray. There's those painful prayers. And we'll be looking in the last week at Gethsemane. So what's this all for this morning? Why do we go through all this? Why do we look at Jesus' prayer life? Because here's here's what it's all about. All this is to show us Jesus prayed for everyone, Jesus prayed at all times, and Jesus prayed everywhere. And that's basically what it is. That's the prayer life of Jesus. He prayed everywhere, for everyone, at all times. So you say, well, take me to all this, you know, all this information. When we look at Jesus, so where do we start? Where do we even we start? Let me just challenge you. If you don't know where to start, just start with prayers of thanksgiving this week. 
to say, Lord, hey, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me this car I'm driving today to work. God, thank you for giving me a job that I have income to be able to provide for my family. God, thank you for giving me a warm house. Some people don't have a warm house. God, thank you for this. And God, and just prayers of thanksgiving. If you want to start, you want to start a prayer life somewhere, just focus on thanksgiving this week. That would be my challenge to you. If you're further down the road and you have a prayer life, how can you work at it, even to make sure like it's like Jesus, where you're praying for everyone, all the time, everywhere? That's Jesus' prayer life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, as we enter to the communion time now, I pray, Father, that we might make sure our hearts are right with you as you've commanded us to. The Lord, if there's any sin that we need to confess that even as we sing this song and uh, the men come, Lord, and we prepare for these few minutes of communion this morning, that, Father, you would help us to make sure our hearts are right with you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.